Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where critics and fans finally unite to discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. We're not just fans, we're not just critics, we're Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I'm John Agroni from the Internet, California, and fixing a shower handle inside a remote Russian school with some shady practices. It's Will Ashton, the plumber. All right. That's one way to introduce me, but okay. <laughs> and doing the backstroke in Budapest in the hopes Jennifer Lawrence will come up and talk to him, it's Soundmaster Maverick Hines. You finally made me a handsome person. I switched it. I had you for the shower handle. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to beat up on Maverick this time. Just Man, give him I feel like I've earned something. And hey, for the first time in Cinemaholics history, we have two guests on to help us review Red Sparrow, and we're going to need it. Back from getting a drink with Mary Louise Parker, say hey once again to Kimber Myers. Hi there. I I like that, by the way. She's she's great, so... Yeah, I, I had a feeling you would. Um, oh, and uh, taking a break from her shift at the last Radio Shack on Earth, where someone just <laughs> bought a record amount of floppy disks, it's May Abdulbaki. Hello. <laughs> so glad to have both of you on. For those of you, uh, you may remember Kimber more recently. She was on our Phantom Thread episode. Kimber, remind people uh, where they can find your work. Yeah, you can find my work on the LA Times as well as on the playlist. That's right. And of course, your Twitter. Your Twitter is always fresh. Yes, Kimber Myers. Super simple. Yes, but it's Myers M Y. I always yes, have a hard time with that. Yeah, just just that one E. That that phantom extra E has mm-hmm. been hounding me my entire life. As has the Lee on Kimber, but that's that's a whole other story. All you have to say is uh, there's no me in Myers. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. I haven't tried that one yet. It, it might help. Might help. Um, oh, and uh, May, of course, you are the founder of Movies with May, and you write for the young folks uh, as well as uh, Will and I. And you co-host a podcast. Tell us about us. Yes, it's a podcast called Ladies with Gumption. We basically recap uh, DCTV, primarily the Arrowverse shows and Black Lightning, who that is outside the Arrowverse. And we just talk about every episode. Sometimes we come up with different topics, like talking about how women of color are treated in fandom and things like that. Things that are really, you know, thoughtful and thought provoking. So it's a really good podcast. If you are into DCTV, check it out. Or if you're not, maybe this will be the podcast that converts you. Um, oh, and I love the tagline, which recaps DCTV in a flash. I love it. Uh, we are going to talk about Red Sparrow this week. Uh, Red Sparrow is a new Jennifer Lawrence movie. But before we get into it, you know, t- we're recording today. Uh, today is the day of the Oscars. This is like our Super Bowl. This is what we've all been working for for over a year now, just really anticipating. So I did, I did want to do a nice, quick little, just a few minutes, let everybody say what they're rooting for for best picture now okay you can say you have two choices you can either be like well i want this to win but i think this is going to win or you can just be like this is what's going to win and i want it to win this is who i am um so i'm gonna start with maverick because he's giving me a look i feel like he's ready to go on this because i felt like you did the second option like you were targeting me a little bit bit, yeah Yeah, it was that was a little bit at me uh no so i have to be i have to be candid with you guys i didn't see all of the best picture nominations. You came close, though. I got close. The last one I was I had to see was Call Me By Your Name. And then I just chose not to see Darkest Hour because I didn't think it was important. So, <laughs> so Some people would call that blasphemy. I know people who are in the tank for that. Well, movie. they're wrong. Anyway. I'll let them know. Um, so, I, and, and I'm upset because, from what I've heard, Call Me By Your Name is a pretty high contender for taking it. So I feel mm-hmm. bad not being able to include that in my choices. Now, from what I have seen... My favorite one and the one I want to win is Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. That's right. I'm remember, not going to defend myself because I know Will is already I pissed off. <laughs> Will, keep it yeah, down. I'm just surprised. <laughs> well, you remember uh, when, when Maverick saw Three Billboards, he, it was like Christmas Day. Yeah, I was stoked. That movie wow. was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed that experience. And, and I, again, right, they're all fantastic movies. I'm not saying anything negative upon the others. That's just... I personally connected and enjoyed this one and i do think this one is the one that most people are going to like the most and that it will win i don't those those could be fighting words on this i'm ready to hear everybody else um okay uh kimber myers what what about you yeah um no i'm really proud of myself for not making a vomiting noise just now um but not not that i think that three billboards is is a bad movie i i think it's it's good but i do think it has its problems both within the movie as well as like 
socially, obviously, there's been a lot of, of chatter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of what I'm rooting for, I, I would be super happy to see Phantom Thread, but on the more realistic side of things, either Shape of Water or, or Get Out. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much anything other than Three Billboards or, uh, um, yeah, I... I just, I, I don't want to see that win, but I won't throw anything at the TV. Okay. That's all we're asking. Um, <laughs> like any Molotovs, you mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then uh, Will Ashton, I think I know what yours is, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I would say my personal favorite of the nominees is The Shape of Water. That's the one that affected me the most. Um, I think that's probably the safe choice as far as winning, which is weird because uh, the movie is about like a mute woman who falls in love with a uh, amphibian man. Considering that to be a safe choice is kind of weird, but I don't know. I really do love this movie, and I would love to see it win. But it, there is a pretty good chance that Three Billboards or Get Out will win. So I'm excited. This year seems more open ended than usual. So I'm curious to see what takes the prize. Yeah, it's not like last year where there were two clear favorites. Now there's like four. Yeah. Okay. And uh, May, what about you? I just want to say that I'm so a little bit annoyed that Mudbound didn't get big Best Picture nominee nomination. Yeah, so, especially over the post and Darkest Hour. I agree with that. Right, right. But if I had to choose, I think my money is on Get Out or The Shape of Water as well. And I know Get Out won the Spirit Award mm-hmm. last night for Best Picture. So we'll see. I mean, if it does win, I'd be really happy. But I'd also be happy with The Shape of Water. As long as it's, sorry, Maverick, as long as it's not three billboards. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be okay. I mean, I can leave, guys. Like, you want me to go? It's fine. Like, I we, get it. No, that's why we have you here. It's a diversity. Oh, to of be a punching bag. I okay. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah that makes sense. Um, you know what? For me, I, if I was going with my absolute favorite, uh, it would be Lady Bird, honestly. Um, which I, 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 I don't see it winning, but I just I really adored that movie. Um, and I really wish for, my Mudbound is definitely the Florida Project. I really don't understand how that movie mm-hmm. got ignored, but. I'm rooting for Willem Dafoe at least to get that best supporting actor. But as far as the movie that like I think will win, like I, I hope will win and I think could win is probably Shape of Water as well. I think that's that's the movie that I would be pretty happy with compared to the other ones. But my thing is I really liked all the movies nominated. The only movie I didn't particularly care for was Darkest Hour. And I didn't think the post was great, but I still liked it. And I, I liked Three Billboards fine. But the rest of the movies like Phantom Thread and Call Me By Your Name and Get Out, I mean... I'd, I would be happy with any of those movies winning. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun night. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, but by the time many of you are listening to this, we'll have all, you'll already know the winners and we're going to sound so crazy probably. But uh, <laughs> let's sound crazier. Let's let's get into our review of Red Sparrow. Now, this film is the latest Jennifer Lawrence picture. Uh, she actually uh, she acts in this, but her director is Francis Lawrence. No relation, of course. And uh, they've been, this is their fourth consecutive film together, I want to say. They worked on three Hunger Games movies in a row, um, including, I would say, the best one. Uh, This movie is based on a novel that was written in 2013 by Jason Matthews. The screenplay is written by Justin Haytho. And we should mention, the film rights for this movie were sold before the novel even came out. Um, So that kind of tells you a little bit. Like, this feels kind of like the book was written for the movie, almost. I mean, that's probably not fair to say, but... Um, do you, just, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of common occurrence these days. I wouldn't say that's uh, abnormal. I mean, it's happened quite a few times of late. So, well, I just know that like a lot of authors will like write a book and like they'll kind of be like, I kind of want to turn this into a movie. So they if they have the right connections. I mean, you never mm-hmm. it, speculation. So, right, I'll leave it at that. Um, this movie stars Jennifer Lawrence, Joel Edgerton, Matthias. Um, I can't pronounce that last name. I'm not going to try. <laughs> Charlotte Rampling, Mary Louise Parker and Jeremy Irons, um, and this is a Fox movie. So starting with, uh, I think we're going to start with May Abdul-Baku. We haven't had you on since the Spider-Man Homecoming episode, which I remember that episode fondly. It's one of our most popular episodes of all time. Um, <laughs> so I want to hear from you, May. Uh, what were your overall thoughts on Red Sparrow? And uh, But also, were, were you a Hunger Games fan? I was, yes. Hmm. I was, and I was excited. Well, I wasn't excited for this film particularly, but I think that Francis Lawrence's... Uh, pretty good director and I've, I've liked his stuff in the past yeah. but with this film I just felt like it was so exploitative and devoid of emotion and all of the sexual assault stuff is frustrating to me because it's just another example of how movies and TV 
use it for plot, but mm-hmm. they don't actually further along the female's story. Like we never really get any of her perspective. How is she feeling about it? It just happens and then it just moves the plot forward, but it never showcases anything from from her point of view and everything is like manipulated by the men around her from from the very beginning of the film and it it just kind of drove me crazy for various reasons and just the way it was executed was just sexual assault for the sake of having sexual assault and it didn't do anything for the film itself and even though like Jennifer Lawrence is the main character she is you know central to the narrative the narrative still to me wasn't about her per se. Hmm. So there was just a lot of frustrations going on uh, for me. Yeah. And we should say uh, it, it's, it's funny because it's like a, a cold war thriller, but it's actually set in the modern day, mm-hmm. um, but it's very, yeah, it's like, it does feel very cold. war, very cold and just no emotion, that kind of thing. Um, and we should say, I mean, the movie itself, if you haven't seen the trailer uh, is about a Russian ballerina, her name is Dominika. And, she has a, an injury that ends her career, and she she wants to take care of her mother, but she kind of falls into this underworld of seductress sex spies. And uh, from there, the movie kind of pits her against the CIA agent, and it's kind of like a twisty-turny movie. Um, so I want to put it to you, Will Ashton. Uh, what about you? Where are you at with this movie? Uh, yeah, so I guess similar to you, John, I saw this a little over a week ago, and it was a movie that... When it was over, I really didn't know where to stand on it. It was not an experience I enjoyed, but I just need I think to it was stand one was, and walk out. That was oh, sorry. Good. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was. I think it was a movie I was trying to search for meaning with, because um, I did find that Jennifer Lawrence gave a very strong and powerful performance. I think she had a chance here to communicate something with what she was going through the past couple of years that could have been really meaningful, but the film itself just did not live up to those expectations. And like you guys were saying, it's just not, it's not an enjoyable film. It's not really an empowering film. It just, it's slow and it's hard to watch. And it's just, it just, it feels like uh, May was saying exploitative in a way that is very uncomfortable and very hard to endure. And I mean, like from a production standpoint, it's well made, but, the storytelling just gets very shoddy, especially towards the second half. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I was kind of going with it for the first half because I was hoping it would lead up to something more. But ultimately, I really just didn't find myself satisfied by what I experienced here. And it just made me feel drained. And I, yeah, I just didn't have fun watching this movie. Yeah, we had we had some walkouts uh, in our theater throughout. Um, uh, people were not having it. Um, but OK, Kimber Myers, let us where are you at with this one? Yeah, so I think even if you divorce all of the, um, any sort of moral questions from the film, I think at best it's um, like slick trash, um, <laughs> which is not to say that um, it's entirely without its its merits in terms of entertainment, but I found it very hard to be entertained Um at many points, like there are some, like, of course, Jennifer Lawrence is, is great. The cast overall, it's a really deep bench. Um, just like each person that kept showing up uh, is, is great. But yeah, I just was not, I didn't feel brought into the movie. I don't feel that Francis Lawrence or the screenwriter has any real care for any of these characters. He puts many of them <laughs> into pretty unpleasant situations um, that are not enjoyable to watch. But Jennifer Lawrence definitely bears the the brunt of that. And like May was saying, I was bothered by the fact that she doesn't, she's the main character, but she has so little agency. And in some ways that's commented on by the film, but it also doesn't really want to deal with that question. Um, I saw it yesterday with, like a general audience at a, a Times Square showing. And they actually seemed pretty into it, especially with the twists and turns at the end where people were mm-hmm. um, audibly responding to to what they were seeing on screen, which is what that Times Square theater is generally good for. Um, but, and I was just sitting there, I was like, you've been watching this movie for, I think it's two hours and 20 minutes. And the audience was far more into it than, than I was. So... 
um, yeah, I I would certainly advise to to skip it. But yeah, I mean this this movie has its fans. You know, it's it's definitely not getting panned by and far. I think it's Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, I haven't checked the Rotten Tomatoes in a while, but last I checked, I mean, it's pretty mixed. I, yeah. I don't know. I've come across people who enjoy like the 50. film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's interesting to hear that like people, like, I feel like if you're watching this movie for two hours, I feel like a lot of the twists and turns, like you, you had plenty of time to figure it out, but I don't know. <laughs> man, just, just me. Uh, okay. Maverick Hines, uh, let us have it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm pretty in line with everything I've heard so far. Um, it was really fun after the movie. This is another movie. I think it's what we're two or three weeks in a row now that you and I haven't seen the feature review together. So we haven't been able to have our normal decompress afterwards. Like a rift here. Yeah, it feels awkward. But I texted you and I was like, "How is a movie about sex spies boring? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand how that's possible." Um, yeah, I just this movie didn't do much for me uh, at all. I, I think you everything that's that everyone said before me is pretty accurate. I think Jennifer Lawrence did, did a pretty decent job carrying a not necessarily well written character and. I just I wasn't invested in this ever, and that bummed me out because I thought, you know, it's it's a thriller. It's kind of like a spy thing, like you said, kind of has a vibe of a Cold War era spy thriller, and I think that lends itself to want you like right. You want to be invested, that you want to care about, like, and you want it to be interesting. And it just it wasn't for me ever. And two hours and twenty minutes was way too much movie for this quality of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I have much to add that hasn't already been said, but I, I agree that it's probably worth skipping. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, I love this movie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I really, it, it's so funny because uh, this movie had me at the opening. Like, I, I, I thought the opening sequence was just so well calibrated the way that it, it introduces the the parallel storylines you see jennifer lawrence and her stunt double uh doing this really elaborate dance uh ballet and then you see joel edgerton kind of in his own like little russian like oh no a cat and mouse game and it was very tense it was very well directed it wasn't slow it was interesting and i'm like this is where the movie peaks isn't it and it is and the rest of the movie is just a really slow burn and i i'm trying to think of like other movies that are like this that I have liked. Like I'm trying to think of like seventies spy well, thrillers. Um, I was yeah. trying to think like, I think the comparison that most prominently comes to mind is a girl with the dragon tattoo, but that's not a seventies thriller. That's it's, more, it's funny because I mean, Fincher was attached to this movie um, was at he? some point. Yeah. He and Rooney Mara were originally going to be the Francis Lawrence, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, <laughs> I think Aronofsky was the first director that they had in mind for this one. Um, oh, and then wow. they finally gave it to Francis Lawrence. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, for Jennifer Lawrence, that must have been interesting. But I, I have so many things to say about this movie. I, I think, honestly, it's just like a very average spy thriller, which is really gross stuff in it that like really brings the whole thing down. And all and it's all the gross stuff you guys have already mentioned. And what makes it average, I mean, it's just so brainless. Like, there was so much in this movie that I just couldn't follow as being any what... Any, believable i mean we're talking about like a ballerina she goes to this spy school for like two weeks or whatever it is it's like a couple of months but like it feels like two weeks the way it's edited and they're like okay pretty sure we should just cut her training short not give her consequences for being terrible at this and put give her the most important job we have right now which is to get (laughs) the cia agent and and it's like this weird undercurrent of there's there's no logic behind like what the Russian government is doing, what Jennifer Lawrence's character is doing, what the CIA agent character is doing. And it all comes down to like, it's so obvious to me that this movie is based on a book written by a CIA agent, the dashing, mm-hmm. handsome CIA agent who's sensitive. And he's like, no, we shouldn't, you know, is like, <laughs> you know, swaying the Russian spy who's a victim of circumstance. And I mean, it's just all sort of, it just rings false to me. And I just, that, that stuff was bad enough. But then to every add everything else you guys are talking about of just really graphic content for the sake of it that never elevates the material. I I, I was very annoyed with this movie. I, I think it's terrible. But okay. well, I recall a, one scene specific. This is not really a spoiler, but it was just basically 
telling us that sexual assault is about power. And I'm like, yeah, we know. <laughs> but did we really need to watch her be naked for like several minutes while this is happening? <laughs> you right. know, it's like and it's it was it's completely pointless. Right. For sure. For sure. Um, we mentioned uh, a couple of us mentioned Jennifer Lawrence's performance, and I've heard mixed things on this. Some people think it's actually good. Other people are like, whatever with it. Where did you stand, Kimber? So I think her performance as a whole is is pretty solid and, and nuanced, and the physicality of it I thought was interesting. Um, her accent is is terrible, but there are a lot of <laughs> terrible accents in this movie. Like, I I never want to be the one to say anything against Charlotte Rampling, but. Um, it was her accent was so patchy. But <laughs> I I was like, is she, wait, is she supposed to be British and like hanging out in this this spy school? But no, she is just doing a really poor Russian accent. Uh, but yeah, I mean Jennifer Lawrence, her actual performance, I um, if if you strip out the <laughs> the accent was was fine. I don't think it's among her best, but but she is I think always watchable and made this movie at once like more bearable but also more challenging to watch in some of the more brutal torture scenes that she undergoes we haven't mentioned mary louise parker yet um except in the intro um where were you guys at with this performance i know some people are like wow where did this come from (laughs) and other people are like it's like the oasis of the movie it just feels so odd to me it feels like she flew in from like a different movie and i don't know if that's better or worse it just feels like it completely doesn't fit in with what's going on this like the added weirdness of like the plot is so centric in that moment on floppy disk and it's supposed to be like in 2017 and then like mary louise parker's just getting splashy in the other room and there's like this like tense uh floppy disk drama going on just such a bizarre little moment that i don't know if i love it or hate it it's just so weird yeah i mean if red sparrow was a good movie i'd probably be like well that was like the worst thing about it but in this case <laughs> it at least it was memorable I was trying to think, like, I think the movie that she flew in from, well, was probably Father Figures. Um, oh, she, was she, she in that? She didn't, no, but she, maybe she just didn't nail her audition. And she's she, like, <laughs> who knows? She, like, she had this character in mind. And she's like, I just got to fit in some movie. What's going on right now? Oh, we're filming Red Sparrow in Montreal. Perfect. I'll get in there. <laughs> um, I don't know. As a guy, I mean, watching this movie, I, I couldn't, I, I kept thinking of, like, Atomic Blonde and black widow and being like you know those are the kinds of movies that i think for the to their credit they're they're movies that are empowering in a way that's like about that that just sidesteps all of this stuff and then I, I, some people have come out though and said like oh well this movie's not trying to be another atomic blonde or salt or whatever uh would you guys agree with that i feel like well based on just the trailers when i first saw it i thought it was going to be another atomic blonde but then i was shocked that there was only i think one action scene in the entire film and was there i can't remember it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would i wouldn't even call it actual action i guess but i'm not sure about the comparisons because they are still different films but i can see how people can mistake you know atomic blonde for this film because when i saw specifically when i saw jennifer lawrence in her little wig I thought of Charlize Theron. <laughs> so that, that was like the comparison in my head, but then watching the film, they're wildly different. What about Joel Edgerton? Uh, you know, he plays this kind of like CIA, CIA guy who's like really into his sources. Um, I, I was kind of conflicted on him because it's kind of like what I said earlier, where I just felt like he was written as this really over the top character. Like what CIA operative is like this kind of a nice goofy dude. Um, I, I don't know if that's fair to say about him, but <laughs> did you guys appreciate his performance? I didn't, I didn't dislike his performance. I kind of disliked the fact that he was kind of brought in to have a sort of romance with her and that at the end he was also set up to be kind of like a would be savior, I guess, you know, like let's take down the CIA agent, but I end up kind of falling for him as well. And it was just very underwhelming. So I feel like his performance overall was fine, but I don't think it necessarily added all that much to the narrative itself. I thought his performance was competent. I I think he did as as well as he could have, but I don't necessarily have any strong opinions on him personally. I thought he was fine. Yeah, I think, I mean, it could have been anyone in that role and he didn't 
bring anything particularly special to it, which generally I, I do like him and, and think that he can really differentiate a role, but here it could have been any, any other actor. Yeah. I, I would say though, if there was one actor that I saw that I was kind of, I bought, it's probably Jeremy Irons. I kind of came around on that character toward the end. Would you guys agree? I don't want to say something, but I, I, there was something about the way that they, they brought him into the story that I, I kind of was like, man, I just wish this movie belonged to Charlotte Rampling and Jeremy Irons and Mary Louise Parker. I couldn't get over his British accent, but <laughs> uh, that's neither here nor I there. Feel like I, mean, I was out of the accents at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah <sure. laughs> like no one's getting it. Early on in this movie, you have to be like, it doesn't matter what accent they have right now; it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Russian accents are so hard. I mean, they're always going to sound over the top, and I've never—I don't know if I've ever heard like somebody who's not Russian do that accent. Well, well, I don't know. Uh, Maybe you guys. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just. I I will say I was expecting like going in to just keep keep thinking of like moose and squirrel like the whole time, but <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't quite that bad. I think it was. I thought it was fine. I, I actually didn't really have any problems with uh, Jennifer Lawrence's accent, I, but it it, it did. Well, it, it was just really me. weird just to see yeah. the hodgepodge of different accents throughout the movie. Yeah, I was also bothered by, and this may be <clears throat> nitpicking, but. They are speaking in English the whole time with these Russian accents. But there's a moment in a scene with Mary Louise Parker, who plays an American, where they speak Russian and there are subtitles so that she can't understand what they're saying. Mm -hmm. But it just it took me out of it. I was like, well, why are they why are we now getting subtitles? And but fine. (laughs) I, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you can just make us believe that this is like Valkyrie you know, and lead yeah. us in that way. But then why even have that scene where they're talking bad about her? Just have her, just have the guy like whisper or something and then that'll get the trick done. I don't know. Because they wanted to have an excuse to call a woman the C word. Oh, yeah, I buy that. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm, 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 I was hoping we could all say like nice things at some point. Don't make me <laughs> feel bad. I, I tried, but like, I just... I, there's just this movie's so bad. I just don't want to say anything good about it. I kind of just wishing it was something it wasn't, um, or that it had just been better at what it was trying to do. But I can't even figure out what it was trying to do. So yeah, like it, it wasn't. A, I mean, it's a spy thriller, but I feel like they tried to bank on it being a sexy spy thriller. But mm. really, it just enjoys making the main character suffer at all costs, and that's that's basically it. And they do it for two and a half hours, <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, there's also a lack of parody in in the nudity, which is is nothing new. But um, there is a moment where there's full frontal male nudity. I was like, oh, is this going to be one of the few times in a mainstream film where we see actually like an equal amount of male and female nudity and that it's given equal treatment? But no, his moment of nudity was definitely there for laughs and hers is definitely there to to titillate and exploit. So it just, it felt even ickier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, but okay. Uh, let's get into our final thoughts then, I guess. Uh, I'm feeling pretty depressed and uh, <laughs> I want to, I want to get into our mini reviews to talk about some tr- hopeful, cheerful things. Um, starting with you, Maverick Hines, final thoughts. And uh, what would you grade this movie? I don't like going first on grading. I went first <laughs> on my pick for best picture and i got dragged through the mud (laughs) so i'm a little nervous now uh no i'm just kidding um finally yeah you know what guys i think i've changed my mind you guys really convinced me it's an a plus best movie of the year this wins best no i'm just kidding um i don't know if i have any extra final thoughts to add it's just i don't don't think it's a movie really worth seeing i i do think i think you said it john it's kind of weird that it does have surprisingly decent like it's like 51 percent to 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, depending on audience versus critic score. So it's interesting that it's got so many people that are are into it, and maybe that's just because of the, the genre of the film itself. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if it's worth your time. I don't think so. I think that anyone else on here has said the same. Uh, I don't know what to grade this. I, I guess it would be, I don't know, C- minus or a D, I think is the appropriate grade for how I feel, taking into consideration that there are a surprising amount of people who seem to have enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel whatever about this movie. Like, it's I just don't care about it at all. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, I care about it, but only in the sense that I want more people to know not to watch it. Like, I would just hate for somebody <laughs> to stumble across it. Can you imagine? Save your money and go see Annihilation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm with you yeah. there. Uh, okay, Kimber Myers, what about you? I am right with Maverick on the grade of like a C minus D plus. I, I think it's overall a capably made fa- film and it's, but it's not, it's clearly not great as we can all agree on. I also think it's not so bad in an interesting way. Like it's, it's just, it's far more bland than it has any right to be with its cast and its, its subject matter. So yeah, this is, I don't. I wouldn't even say like watch it when it comes on to scream to streaming. I think there's just too many more good things to watch, and this is is not worth your time. For me, I just I'm I'm a D plus because uh, there's like one D plus some other things. Uh, that was anyway. Um, <laughs> I I I just I I'm fascinated. Like this should have been a layup, you know? Because this. I mean, I know this book, this screenplay, it was written before the Me Too movement, but the movie was shot kind of like around the time, I guess it wasn't, I guess it was in post-production by the time they were uh, putting the movie together. But even even just like the anti-Russian sentiment, like I, I'm speaking for myself here, but we're living in a time where most Americans are really, really annoyed at Russia right now. And this is a movie that paints Russia in such a bad light. And I feel like I should be all about that, but the movie does it so poorly that I wish I hadn't have done it at all. And that's probably, that's one of the things that I, I dislike the most about the film, but above all, it's just, it's just gross and it's dull and it's exploitative. There's no way around that. And I just, I think it's a waste of space, waste of time. Uh, D plus for me. And uh, what about you, May? I agree. I mean, with everything that's been said, I think it banks on the use and abuse of the female body for no reason other than for it to be a plot device, you know? And so there's nothing empowering about that. And I don't want people to think that there's anything empowering about that. And that's why you shouldn't see the movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it just, I just as a spy thriller, it's just super slow. And I think it lacks substance. And despite a woman being at the forefront, I still think it's very much manipulated in the narrative control is by the men so i I definitely would avoid seeing it go see something better lots of better things to see and i think that as an actress jennifer lawrence is good and i just want her to make better career decisions (laughs) yeah watch watch the americans that's this is it's a better version of this so great um okay and then will ashen finish us out yeah i mean just to echo what everyone's been saying i feel like this movie seems to have some delusions of grandeur as far as how purposeful it could be. It ultimately, like Kimber was saying earlier, it's ultimately just kind of a trashy story that's told in a dull and not necessarily compelling way. And ultimately the stuff that is very graphic and very disturbing in here. I mean, I don't want to dismiss the movie just because it's graphic and disturbing. Cause there have been other films like mother, for instance, last year that I really liked. And I felt like the graphic details ultimately made, I mean, the fact that they were there in addition to a film that I felt was really strong, compelling and meaningful ultimately made it worth it was this movie it just feels like you said exploitative and just not not meaningful in any way that i, I can recommend it all so i'm gonna give it a c and that's pretty charitable all right well that's like a c minus d plus average from us um so that should tell you plenty about this movie whether or not you should see it um with that though uh that's our review of red sparrow we're going to take a quick break And uh, when we come back, we're going to be doing our mini reviews. We're going to be talking about Love, Simon, Everything Sucks, and plenty more. Don't go away. All right, let's get into our mini reviews. First up, uh, Kimber Myers, you saw a movie I know I've very much been looking forward to, Love, Simon. Please tell us what it is about and uh, how how would you uh, review this movie? So Love, Simon is the first uh, major studio gay teen romance. Um, It's about a high school student played by Nick Robinson of Jurassic World and uh, everything, everything. That's who that is. And yeah, um, which I'll, I'll, I don't know if I'm going to defend Jurassic World at this point, but I, I really liked everything, everything. And he was part of it. I think he's a really appealing 
romantic hero. Um, and, and that's echoed here. So he is in the closet at his high school and a, the high school has a website where people post anonymous things and gossip and another student posts and says, I'm gay and it's my secret. And so Simon reaches out to this, this guy over email and they begin this very sweet romantic correspondence over email. And Simon just can't wait to hear for the like ding of the, uh, (laughs) the mail sound on his laptop. Um, And yeah, I, I thought it was very sweet, very funny. Um, so it's from Greg Berlanti, who is more famous as a TV producer than as a film director. He's only directed a few films, um, but he does all of the DC um, shows on the CW, as well as having done a few others, like he did Brothers and Sisters. And this is very much in That's why they call like, it the Berlantiverse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I... I really liked this. I, I thought it it worked. It's very sweet. It's incredibly funny. Um, I was actually quite pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed this. And I, not only from the perspective of being glad that it exists, um, because I think it's important for, um, for gay teens to have someone to watch on screen. I think representation is a conversation that we're continuing to have. And this is one more aspect of this, both for for them as well as for their peers trying to understand what they're going through. But I just, um, I thought it was just incredibly romantic that it has like a swoon-inducing finale um, where people in the press screening I went to, which I think was like half press and half fans of the the book that it's based on, um, there were claps and like wow. cheers in the theater. People were were really into it, and I'm I'm excited to to see how it does. Um, but it was it was great. I'm so excited because, and, and I'm surprised a little bit. Like part of me was very hesitant with this movie because I love Berlanti. He's like he's he really is like the mastermind behind the CW's like just they've been a juggernaut lately um yeah. he's, he's been behind like black lightning and riverdale especially like coming into their own and uh, obviously the flash and arrow and all that but like his filmography is horrendous i mean he's produced yeah. three terrible films in a row or no he he produced green lantern and wrote it he i know he produced pan which was my least favorite <laughs> movie of 2015 <laughs> um he wrote wrath of the titans like i didn't even think somebody wrote that movie <laughs> um, but you know what? I, I, I didn't hate life as we know it. I, I thought that movie was just average, but I know people really hate that movie. I think that was the last one he directed. Yeah. But- this, I don't know if it's helped by the fact that he had an actual like source novel to work from, not just like, um, a larger comic book yeah. universe in the case of something like a green lantern. But, um, no, this, I, I was, really pleasantly surprised and I think it plays to his talents as well like all of the the kids that are cast are are great including um Keenan Lonsdale from The Flash um who I was glad to see on screen um as well and uh yeah I it it just it was heartwarming and super super funny like they would do a joke and then there was like a joke on top of a joke that um made it just a, a great experience beyond being an important one. Yeah, definitely going to see it. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Catherine Langford alive for once. Yeah. She's <laughs> Hannah on 13 Reasons Why. Um, I forget, did you watch that show, Maverick? Which one? Sorry. 13 Reasons Why. Uh, I watched a couple episodes of it. I didn't like sit down and watch the entire series. Gotcha, so. gotcha. You uh, reviewed it for the podcast, I remember. Yeah, and I, I, I remember that show every detail of it weirdly yeah um, stuck with me yeah and like i said i watched a lot of scattered episodes but i just didn't watch the whole thing start to finish yeah. so i missed a few but i mean i watched the ones where everything kind of came to fruition so hmm. i guess i got the story oh and before you move on uh what, w- what would you what would you grade love simon i reviewed it for the playlist and i would give it i gave it a b plus um i was torn i think overall it's a, a b plus but in terms of the like teen romance genre if you boil it down that far it's it's an a minus it's a really solid one one of the better examples from the genre from 
the last couple of years at the very least. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, be sure to check out her review then on the playlist. All right. Well, that was love, Simon. Uh, Maverick Hines, you just finished, or you're about to finish. You're like one episode away from finishing Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Season 3, mm-hmm. which all just dropped on Netflix. Uh, tell us about it. I mean, I, I, we've talked about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on the show before, haven't we? I'm pretty sure we have. I mean, I've, I hope I've brought it up, because Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is one of my favorite shows. Uh, it's on the CW, and you wouldn't. It, it's not like any other CW show, to be clear. No. It is very much its own kind of thing. Um, but I remember I introduced this show to you, mm-hmm. uh, and I've, I've introduced the show to so many people. I always get them to watch the first episode and I just, I adore it to pieces. It's just like this joyous musical romantic comedy. I'm, I'm like seven or eight episodes into season three, but take it away okay. Maverick. I mean, does it keep, I, I think it's great so far. Does it keep getting, uh, this is uh, the best season of the show so far for me personally. Uh, I really really like this show i've liked it since the beginning and i'm not usually a person who is super into um shows or movies or whatever that kind of have like that musical theater vibe to it with you know actual musical breaks it's just not my thing and i still love this show so i think that's a uh you know kudos towards the production of the show and the writing is that um they take these like musical numbers that normally cash out and make them hilarious and make them interesting and make them relevant. And to me, that that's what keeps me going on this. But also, I, th- I just every, everything about this show is is really funny, really entertaining. And what I like about season three, that's new, I think, since season one and two, is that this one is a little bit more real. Uh, it, it just seems like it's got more intensity on the parts that are supposed to be intense and more. You know, you can just you can tell that they're tackling an issue and they're talking about the, the theme for this season would have to be mental health, and, and they're kind of tackling issues of that, and they do it really well, and they're having healthy conversations about this, I think, and I mean, it's, it, it's smart about mental health. Yeah, it's it's really, it's really smart, smart. They're funny. And, and they're very intentional about how they present people who have mental illness in the show. And I appreciate that. Like, you know, it comes to, we see that someone is developing some, you know, they find out they have some tendencies for a a mental disorder. And instead of them being alienated or stigmatized or anything like that, like we see the opposite of what I think we're used to seeing and stuff like this, right? Like, Oh, that person's crazy. That's it. You know, we, we see people rallying around her and people, you know, continue to support her and understand what shows going on. And that, that's important. I think about what the season is. And, um, like they they're finishing up like if you watch the first season of Crazy Ex Girlfriend and this this movie or show it probably sounds ridiculous to people it's like why are John and Maverick raving about a show called Crazy Ex Girlfriend it is ridiculous that can sound, <laughs> well it, it can sort of sound like a show that like makes the Crazy Ex Girlfriend type of like stereotype like a show that beats up on that exactly I but think it's, it's intentional written, right yeah. it was create it was co created by Rachel Bloom who stars in it and she she makes it a point to like. There's something about the way this show treats people of all types, like dudes, girls, everything in between, and the way that it like gives all of them equal creative, um, like merit. Yeah, you know, like there there are songs that about there's one one of my favorites in season three actually because it really surprised me was just one where this guy finds out that he's never given his wife an orgasm. Oh my and God. like it, it, you normally like a show would take a guy like that. Cause he's kind of like an unlikable character. He's very like pompous and like, yeah. like the girls in the show are like, you're such a loser. But like, there is a moment where he gets his own song and like, it uses that, like what, you know, using music when a character doesn't know how to emotionally release mm-hmm. <laughs> and like the way that he sings it, like you actually like, like just feel bad for him because he's like, I never knew. And like, I wish this wasn't the case. And, it was just a way that treated this this like very unlikable dude with some sympathy, you know, yeah. without like glorifying him and making it you know a thing where it turns it around or anything like that. I mean, there's stuff like that all over the show. Yeah, and I mean, like if you followed the show this far or seen anything, you know, like even when we go through the original story of Rachel pursuing Josh, which is kind of like the premise of the first two seasons, mm-hmm. like you know, you, you want. Rachel's the main character and you follow her and stuff like that, but it never like paints Josh is like, Oh, Josh is a bad guy. She's a good guy. That's the story. This is it. Right. right. Like it's very balanced in the way that it tells stories between all the character relationships. And it also does a really good job of presenting like 
all types of people, right? Like there, there was a whole subplot in the early season about uh, her boss struggling with whether or not he knew if he was bisexual or gay or straight, and like they do that really well. And, like it's just everything that they want to face, they face head on, and I, mm-hmm. I think they've done it well so far. I can only say that from I don't, ha- you know, I'm not, I don't have the perspective of being obviously LGBTQ or a woman or anything like that. So, but as a white man. I can say like, oh, these issues I think are presented in a way that I can understand them from a perspective that's not mine and is approachable for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I the thing about that too is that the first season, so many things happen in that season where I'm like, this is messed up. <laughs> yeah. And you think that like the show's just going to gloss over it and it's just going to be like, yeah, she's crazy, whatever, love her. But no, mm-hmm. season three is the, it's like the payoff yeah. of like everything that's happened so far has been messed up and now she has to like reckon with consequences yeah. and it's awesome. And now <laughs> she's realizing how messed up it was, like yeah. how not normal her actions previously were. Um, and that's why I said, I think it's such a, a really well done way of talking about mental health, right? Yeah. Like that's it. She's starting to kind of go, oh, I, I, sh- I shouldn't have done uh, all of that. <laughs> like, and she has to actually deal with the consequences. It's not like, okay, I learned my mistake. My life's perfect again. Like, that that's a part of the season you know from i think you said you're on like episode seven or eight um i'm episode, yeah i think it's in you're like kind of right in the eight. middle yeah. yeah so the second half like leading up to the finale that's kind of all about her just like trying to fix her mistakes mm-hmm. and like get better and and it's awesome it's really really cool it's crazy to me we're talking about a show in its third season and we're just like so gung-ho about it but i mean chances are those of you listening have never checked it out uh, all three seasons so far are on Netflix, mm-hmm. and I just, I honestly, like, give the first episode Super a Super bingeable. If, if the first episode doesn't sway you, I know some people who were kind of like, I don't know about it, and then once they got to, like, episode two or three, they were really into it. I would say, yeah, I, I for me, it had to be more than one episode, because it was so surprising that it was, like, so musical, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, it's just not my thing. Like, I'm not into that, and I still love the show, so give it, give it a few episodes. Don't, you know, don't just watch one and judge on it, because I wasn't yeah. sold after the first one, even though I knew it was good. It's just like, I am not into this genre, so. Will, is this show even close to any radar you've ever seen in your life? Uh, I actually have the first season on iTunes. I mean, the watch, I just haven't. It's on a long, long list of shows I've been mean to watch, but. Like, is it 2009? Not. Like, what? Well, what do you mean? Just because I have it on iTunes? Yeah. Well, no, because it was, uh, I think they, I forget when the first season came out, they like gave out the first season for free on iTunes. So I just oh, took wow. it. That's the only thing I have on my iTunes, basically. So cool. Uh, yeah. Please watch it, Will. And Kimber, have you, have you ever seen it? I have. I'm about halfway through the, the third season and I'm in complete agreement. I think it is so much more than its title and in like the short like log line that it has gotten and largely that is thanks to Rachel Bloom. She is an absolute creative genius and I don't know how she does everything related to the show and like still manages to have any sort of immune system because it just seems absolutely exhausting, but she's, she's the best. If you, if you guys follow her on Instagram, you can kind of see what her daily life is. And <laughs> that's why I follow her because like, you're right. <laughs> she's exhausted. Be careful though, because this show has been on, out for a while and i accidentally got spoiled on something by following her on instagram so uh, if you want to watch season three be careful when you're following i i didn't get spoiled huh okay but uh the thing the thing too is that she had to delete her comments because she was like i respond to everything so i can't <laughs> so she had to disable them anyway that's crazy ex-girlfriend season three um i wish i knew you had you were that far into it kimber i didn't i didn't uh make it open for you to to chime in as well as much but uh yeah. No, I was trying to like half listen so I don't get spoiled. Uh, I see. <laughs> it was perfect. Okay. Fortunately, I don't think we spoiled anything, but uh, okay. That's Crazy <laughs> Ex Girlfriend season three. And uh, let's do one more movie before we finish out with one more show. And uh, the next movie is The Party, which I was supposed to see The Party yesterday, Will. I know you saw this one. Um, I had it. I planned to see it yesterday. I decided I was only going to work like right and stuff. So I didn't really, and I also binged the entire first season of everything sucks. So I should be a little fair on that. But anyway, the party um, is a new movie out. Uh, Tell us everything about it. Yeah. So it's the new movie from a director, writer director uh, named Sally field. And it's, uh, it's basically a bottom movie. It's only 72 minutes long. It's very short. Mm, And uh, it's, what's up? That sounds really nice. That, yeah, I mean, length. it's all it is basically. The long and short of it is, uh, so it's centered around Kristen Scott Thomas's character, and she 
is uh, this woman who has just gotten to this position of power that she's been fighting for for a long time, uh, and she's having this like kind of small get together with some of her very close friends to celebrate it. And uh, in the midst of all that, like basically everything just uh, goes to crap because uh, there's a lot of drama going on with her husband, who it's he's like very kind of distant and like muttering to himself the whole time. He's played by Timothy Spall, who's he, he's fantastic. Everyone in the cast is fantastic in this movie. Uh, and then there's uh, Cillian Murphy who comes to the party. He's like sweating the whole time, and he it's revealed in the bathroom he has like a gun. He's like doing cocaine. It's like I don't know what's going on with him. Hmm. Uh, and then there's also uh, Emily Mortimer, and uh, she, I forget who her wife is, but she Carrie just Jones. found out she's going to have, like, triplets, and she's kind of dealing with that. And then there's Patricia Clarkson, who is just, like, the uber-feminist who is, like, just kind of sassy talking about everything that's going on. Uh, it's a very we- it's a black-and-white dark comedy. Uh, I don't know if it's going to appeal to everyone, because it's, I don't know, it's a movie that it's very witty, and it's very... Uh, smart in its execution, but I, I could see some people seeing that as being kind of smug and pompous. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, but it's a, it's a movie that knows exactly what it is. I think it plays to its strengths more than it doesn't, and I think the strengths are mainly the cast having a lot of fun with these juicy characters who are just uh, indulging in some of like the craziest moments of their lives in this tight, confined 70 minutes. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to be one that's going to appeal to everyone, but I think for people who like this kind of thing, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I, I gave it a B minus. I don't think it's like amazing, but I think it's a lot of fun for what it is. So yeah, I I I wanted to let you go, but I'm pretty sure. Did you say this was directed by Sally Field? <laughs> oh, did I? Uh, yeah, it's Sally Potter. Sorry, sorry, Sally Porter. I apologize. Potter. Potter. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not as familiar with her filmography. I I didn't see Ginger and Rosa, but. Yeah, she's oh, kind of like. Oh, that's that what she did? Yeah, yeah. She she's oh, like. Oh yeah, that was good. She's a, she's really big across the pond, but um, right. I'm not as familiar with her work. Yeah, I, no, I, I knew her name. I just didn't know she did uh, Ginger and Rosa. That was a good movie. I, I'd love to see it. I, I I know though she hasn't made. I think that was years ago, wasn't it? Like a while back. Uh, like 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. That's a party. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Definitely making movies for for decades. Like Orlando is is super interesting and is a nice early performance from Tilda Swinton as well. Yeah, um, she's been yeah. since the '80s. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I I really want to see this one. This is a great choice if you guys are um, doing the 52 films by women challenge. Um, cause yet another one directed by Sally Potter. It's been a while since like a new movie has been directed by. Uh, a woman and uh, also written well, by a woman. So next week we got one coming up. Oh yeah. Okay. We'll get to that in a second yeah. or uh, coming soon to theaters, but uh, okay. One more thing for you guys. That was, uh, that was the party. It should be in limited release right now. Um, last thing I have is a sh- new show on Netflix that came out last week. It's called everything sucks. And this show is in the nineties takes place in the nineties but it's new. Um, I, I'm having a hard time with like just even talking about it. I'll start with this. It was, uh, it was created by Ben York Jones. Do you guys remember him? He, uh, he was in like crazy and he also wrote it. Great. You guys remember him ex- perfectly. <laughs> I know. I mean, I remember like crazy. I don't remember him, but I, I, yeah. I really did like that movie. I always, I always think of him. He looks kind of like Devin Ratray from uh, the Home Alone movies, but he's not. Um, <laughs> he, he's in this show as well. He plays a character named uh, Mr. Stargrove, the head of AV Club. Um, if that's not on the nose enough. And this show, uh, wow. So it's like they made a Nickelodeon show <laughs> in 1996. They're like, okay, it's like a, it's, imagine if you're a Nickelodeon executive. This guy comes up to you, Ben York Jones, of course, and he's like, well, let's make a show. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be pure Nickelodeon. It's just going to be a, a high school Nickelodeon show with just high school problems, a little bit of Degrassi here and there, but we're not going to be like that like serious. And um, oh, but also in between all the Nickelodeon stuff, you know, like the catchphrases and the pop product placement, it's also just going to be like PG-13 AF. And that's going to be the, that's going to be the deal. And sometimes a little R rated, but not really. And that's everything sucks. And 
I just, I've always wanted a show like this. Like I've always wanted a Freaks and Geeks that takes place in the 90s, which would make sense because it was made in the 90s and it was about the 80s and it was about the people who grew up around that time. And we're now at a point in 2018 where there are very talented people like Ben York Jones. I would consider him pretty talented. So Like Crazy is a great film. And I think uh, people are kind of ready to like give you know, a look back at that time period, 96, and be able to like tell stories about like, for example, a main theme in Everything Sucks is that one of the main characters uh, figures out, not figures out, but like she kind of starts to explore her sexuality um, and realizes that she is a lesbian, which is kind of interesting to see that in a 90s show that is super 90s because really we weren't getting shows like that until like Dawson's Creek, right? And that was more early 2000s. Uh, What was Ellen's sitcom? Because that was a thing in that, right? Well, I'm talking about for kids, like in high school, okay, yeah. right? Yeah, like, I can't yeah. think of, I mean, there was Will and Grace, but I mean, I, I can't think of like a high school kind of show until like Degrassi came along and started to mainstream that sort of thing. Um, sure. And I might be wrong about that, but but that's the thing. It's like, it's very Nickelodeon humor, but like with like these social issues in it. And I think that's, that's the thing about Everything Sucks that's actually kind of interesting. Uh, but my gosh, is this show very cringeworthy? I mean, my goodness, like you... I, one of the comparisons I made, I always thought uh, people who complained about Stranger Things were being a little bit like, okay, fine, it's about, it's trying to capitalize on your your nostalgia, but like, that's fine, the 80s were great, right? But then I watch Everything Sucks, and I'm like, that's what they're complaining about. Like, it just feels so manipulative of like, we're going to get you to watch this show the way that you like go through a pointless BuzzFeed article that's like, hey, remember the 90s? And without it being... Like, the way Freaks and Geeks does the 80s, I don't know if you guys are fans of that show. I tried to get Maverick to watch it, and he was just like, whatever with it. <laughs> I wasn't anything uh, with it. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean to watch it. It's another on my list of shows I've mean to see, but I haven't watched it. Have you seen it, Kimber? I have. It is. It's wonderful. In fact, like, I, a few years ago, um, when Love came out on Netflix, yeah. and I, was, I hated it, and was like, and it's produced by Apatow. And I was like, oh, am I just remembering Freaks and Geeks more fondly than it deserved? I'll watch an episode. And then I watched eight in a row. Like, that's how yeah. wonderful it is. Freaks and Geeks is a treasure. Um, I I hated Love, but then I really liked the second season. So yeah. I'm in a weird I like place love the show. all the way through. I don't, I don't know why you guys are saying Me too. I'm, I'm, with, I, I'm with Will on this I one. Had, I really liked all of it. I had a hard time at the first season. Like, I had to stop in the middle of it. And then I started watching it again because I felt obligated. And then it, it does start to pick up its 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 rhythm. And Claudia Doherty is like the best thing about that show. But, oh yeah, I listened to that Hollywood Handbook episode that you recommended. Oh my gosh, I so glad you did. Yeah. Did you like it or did? Yeah, it was good. It was funny. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. For those we'll of you who know, Hollywood Handbook uh, is my, probably my favorite podcast in the universe, and uh, they had her on. And it's just if you guys like improv comedy from the writers they used to be writers for family guy that's that's your show and like that probably isn't a great like plug right because like family yeah, guy gonna, yes oh. not the way i'd sell it but you do <laughs> yeah you. my bad they're <laughs> <laughs> they're much funnier than family guy i'll tell you that much anyway well wait which which what when did they write for family guy oh like way back okay so like the early seasons yeah yeah not the that earliest, is a compliment not the earliest but like when they i think the resurgence fact oh, check okay me. then that's like half a compliment um anyway uh everything sucks uh it's it, it it's a weird show to talk about i have a hard time recommending it if you're curious i mean it's only 10 episodes i watch the whole thing in a day it, I don't, it's just it's a show that takes place in boring oregon boring oregon the name of the town <laughs> is boring and it's a real place and that should tell you kind of like what the tone is here and it's but it's a weird tone. Like the, it's also about like the AV club and the drama club kind of joining forces at one point. And it's weird because the drama club is not unlike any drama club. I feel like I've ever seen realized in pop culture. Like definitely wasn't like the drama club that I knew of and was somewhat part of in my high school experience. And, but it is like your typical like AV club, of like really dorky kids. And I just, maybe I'll give me a week on this. I, I just need more time. I don't know. Are you guys interested in the show at all? Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to make of it. Because no, not only for your response, I just I've heard 
mixed things across the board. Some people really seem to love it. Other people seem to be hating it, and some people are more mixed like yourself. So I, it seems like it's a smorgasbord of opinions for this show. Yeah. There's good stuff. There really is. But uh, that's all I can really say for now. Um, and with that, that was uh, our last mini-review. Next week, here's what's coming soon to theaters. We're going to be talking about A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. And uh, really looking forward to that conversation. Me too. Um, there's also a lot of other movies. I mean, Gringo is coming out. But I have to be honest, I, I'm not looking forward to that. That's a David Oyelowo <laughs> film. Uh, it looks just really weird. Charlize Theron and Joel really? Egerton are in it, too. I don't know. I just something about it like the trailers I mean, haven't sold me you i mean you know me i mean i'm not a fan of most studio comedies with the exception of game night last week but i don't know i'm actually kind of I, I think it looks kind of funny and i'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt i'm gonna give it a chance but yeah. i like the cast a lot uh, Charlize Theron, david yellow like you're saying joel egerton uh, a couple other people uh i think paris jackson's actually in it too weirdly enough like her first acting role wow um that's michael jackson's kid right yeah, wow. yeah, her daughter, his daughter. And then uh, also, I know you guys are probably more excited about it. The Hurricane Heist is coming out next week. And, uh, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> already bought your tickets, didn't you? Oh, man. <laughs> That's the, uh, from the maker, I, I, I didn't, I'm joking, but like, yeah, basically from the makers of Sharknado is what it sounds oh, like. So it is an Asylum movie. Oh, or Asylum. Gotcha, gotcha. Is it? No, I'm, I'm asking, like, I'm genuinely asking, because it looks like an Asylum movie. It, it looks like it, but I don't know for sure. This, they did Sharknado, so if the, it's the same people that did right. Sharknado. Then. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't, I've chosen not to know a lot about this movie. <sighs> How did um, this get a theatrical <laughs> release? I don't know. It's wide release, too. It's going to be in yeah, some No, theaters. man, that's uh, well, yeah. good for them. And then one last, there's another wide release. I mean, there's four wide releases next week, guys. Uh, the Strangers, uh, Pray at Night. Uh, that's the sequel to, uh, I really, I really enjoyed the first Strangers. Came out a decade ago. Yeah. Um, was decade. 11 years ago, actually. Wow. Um, do you guys like that one, The First Strangers? I yeah, did. I did. Yeah. yeah. It, it's good. It's solid. Uh, this is the second one, and it's probably going to suck, but uh, who knows? Let's give it a shot. Um, I, I heard good things so far. I heard from one person uh, at my work that it was actually pretty good, so I'm looking forward to it. That's good to hear. But Wrinkle in Time, that's the film that I, is definitely definitely the one that I'm really looking forward to and, and really hoping it, it turns out well. I've heard mixed things here and there, but a lot of people liking it, so we'll see what happens. Um, but there are two other movies. They're coming out in limited release, and I, I, I'm really hoping they're contenders for my top 10 of the year. The Death of Stalin, which... I could not be more excited about. Have you seen a trailer for this one, Mav? I, I haven't. It to you. Uh, it's a comedy about like what happens right after Stalin dies. Uh, Steve Buscemi is in it, and uh, oh, I'm blanking on everyone else. It, it's like Jeffrey it's one of those Tambor's movies. in it. Yes, uh, yes. The, a lot the of guy from um, the affairs in it. Oh, what's his name? I know who you're talking about too. Dominic West. Yeah, yep. that's it. He's in it. Um, a couple other people are in it. Um, and then one more movie. Uh, well, also the leisure leisure seeker, leisure seeker, however you want to say, it, is calling out, but coming out. But I honestly, I, top ten contender, right there. I've, <laughs> I've heard so many bad things. I, I don't plan on seeing it. But. That was on the playlist bomb of the year list. I remember. So no kidding. Uh, yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, <laughs> but then the movie that I'm most looking forward to that I am going to be seeing as soon as somebody lets me is Thoroughbreds. Uh, I. Yeah. I'm so ready for this one. The one Anya Taylor Joy and Olivia Cook, and the last performance by Anton. Um, oh, how do you say his name? Last name correctly? Anton Yelchin. Yelchin. That's right. Okay. I I, uh, I almost said Yel. Yeah, it would have been bad. Um, who? who <laughs> regretfully, uh, very sadly, he passed away. Uh, and this is, I believe, this is going to be his last movie. Uh, uh, yeah, if not his last, and one of his last. I mean, right. certainly one of his last prominent roles at least so uh yeah we're, we're gonna be playing this at the theater pretty soon and i'm gonna probably be sneaking in to see it because i i'm like you i just think it looks so good and i'm looking forward to it all right and that's it's gonna be a packed week but uh hopefully we're gonna have a great show for you guys next week and it's gonna be focused and <laughs> we'll do our best um but with that thank you as always for listening to cinemaholics uh if you like our show uh please consider supporting us on patreon uh just go to patreon.com slash cinemaholics and you can get early access to bonus episodes like our spinoff anyway that's all i got hosted by sam noland uh they just recorded their guilty pleasure movies episode which i'm excited to listen to uh it's uh i heard it's like 
kind of out there. Uh, they also uh, just came out their most recent episode, which is the worst remix of all time. It's a great list. And uh, don't forget, you can always go to our Facebook page and check out our community there to get plugged into Cinemaholics. Uh, we're on Facebook, and we also have Twitter. And if you ever have feedback for us, uh, just leave us an email, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. You can find our show everywhere. We, we've been starting to show up now on TuneIn, iHeart, uh, Spotify. I, I, we're really trying to make sure we're as, in as many places as possible uh, so you can find our show wherever you're at. And uh, as always, um, don't forget to leave us a review and reading on Apple Podcasts if you like our show. And that's it. I'm done. I'm done asking you to do stuff. Uh, enjoy um, something besides Red Sparrow this week. That's all I can say. I don't know. If, go watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Do that. Or if you can find a screening of Love, Simon, um, it's probably going to be worth your time. But okay. From the Internet California, I'm John Negroni. From the Internet Pennsylvania, I am Will Ash. From the Broadband Basement, I am Maverick Hines. And from the internet New York, I'm Kimber Myers. And for May Abdul-Baki, who had to step out um, from the internet, uh, I think she's in New York as well. Uh, we'll see you no, next Washington, time. Washington, D.C., I think. Washington, D.C., that's what I meant. Uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>